There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. It's Friday night. It is the offseason. Is there such a thing in the NFL? Is there such a thing for Raider Nation? Of course not. We're here to talk about Raiders football. This is Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. You are with Scott Branson and one Mr. Maurice Mo Moten. And we are here to talk about Raider football. Make sure you follow us on our website, silverandblacktonight.com. Also, on Twitter, make sure you get part of the conversation. Follow Mo at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Goalie. We appreciate you guys being here as the NFL season has come to an end. Uh, and we are ready to talk with my partner, uh, Mr. Mo Moten. And Mo... Um, Man, the Super Bowl, you know, in some ways it did not disappoint because it was a close game. It wasn't a blowout, which is a good thing. But at the same time, as close as it was, it wasn't exactly a thrilling game. And there certainly was a share of controversy we'll get into. Uh, But the Rams win their first Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, What were your overall thoughts about the game? I actually enjoyed the game. Uh, as you know, for the first time, I didn't have to do live updates in between quarters. I actually got to sit down and digest everything. And I know what your rant is going to sound like today, but I will say that, you know, from from after the wild card week, all the games have been down to the wire. I don't think you can ask for anything more from a competitive standpoint. Games coming down to the final drive, a field goal here or there. We had Jeff Parles on. He said it can go field goal either way, and he was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I did hit him on some of my uh, bets, so... I'm not in the street uh, selling whatever I need to sell to to, to make ends meet, but um, I, I enjoy the game from from all perspectives. I know a lot of people aren't happy with the, with the calls late in the game. I'm sure you're gonna get into that, but I think it was pretty <laughs> pretty 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 good officiating for for about 58 minutes, 57 minutes. Yeah, and that that's the key for me, right? Which is is your point right there about the 58 minutes or so, uh, and and I loved it. I mean, there was it was it was amazing watching a game where the referees understood, especially on that stage with the Super Bowl, the biggest game there is, uh, them just leaving it alone. And, and I appreciated that because you didn't see a lot of the calls. And you saw things they would have called during the regular season, no doubt about it, holding calls, little ticky-tack, even PI calls, and they just let it go, and that was fine. But then you have the end of the game, okay? And I, I lost my temper a little bit on Twitter, and people loved to give me crap about it because I said, look, the fix is in. They want Kroenke, who had just come off the whole St. Louis thing, by the way, uh, and he's not getting along with the NFL owners, but they need, and here's my point, and I know some of the people in L.A. are going to disagree with me on this, Mo, but they need L.A. to be successful. All the years they were outside, the NFL was not in Los Angeles. They go back. You have the complete farce that is the Chargers, right, as far as the, the fandom in Los Angeles, the move from San Diego, all that jazz. And then you have the Rams. The Rams are doing well. The Rams have all the money in the world, great franchise. They build the beautiful stadium that the Chargers are tenants in uh, and the Rams really own. Uh, and so they, you know, I just saw this happen at the end of the game with the, the holding call, 
okay, over the middle. On the same play, Mo, on the same play, you you know what I'm going to say, right? I know what you're going to say. The same play, there is a false start. In fact, there were several false starts on that drive. But on that same play, there's a false start. Now, again, they're not calling stuff. Okay, fine. Don't call it. But then you call at the most pivotal time of the game on the game-winning drive inside the 20-yard line. You're calling what becomes a determinant play. Did the Bengals lose only because of that play? Of course not. The Bengals couldn't get three points in the fourth quarter. Had they kicked a field goal sometime in the fourth quarter, they'd probably win the game, right? But to me, this is what I'm going to say definitively. To me, the NFL is getting closer to predetermined outcomes. I'm not saying it's all the way fake like WWE. And if you didn't know that WWE is fake, we got bigger problems. It's fake. But it is? Yes. Okay. Just <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't sure. say fake because actually those guys are amazing Pre-de- athletes and performers. Predetermined. Predetermined outcomes. Predetermined outcomes. Correct. Now, the NFL to me is becoming, if you see what happened throughout the year, you've seen over the last several years, some of these calls come down. Now, people will laugh and say, oh, come on, dude. There's not referees saying out there, okay, now we're going to call the game for the Rams. But I'm sorry, Mo. It's starting to just feel that there is all of this, 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 this natural inclination to have more control. The teams are in such parity, right? So often what ends up happening is you have a situation where a game is going to come down to a call, okay? And it's not like going back to when the Raiders got screwed way back decades ago where you didn't have replay and you couldn't figure it out, and sometimes it just went that way. Now, though, you're seeing throughout the league, we saw throughout the course of the year as well, Mo, that the, the calls and the refereeing, now, again, it's a hard job. I, look, sometimes it's not bad calls. It's just what it is. But I just see the NFL, and they don't seem to really care. We've talked about this on the show before. But to me, in your biggest game, the biggest audience, on the biggest stage, and, and you call nothing, for 58 minutes, and then the last two minutes, you call two massive and miss two massive calls. I totally agree. I didn't like the call. They replayed it a bunch of times, and I saw it. I didn't think Logan Wilson. I, I think what Logan Wilson did, you see on a bunch of plays. So it's kind of like a judgment thing. So I agree with you. If you're going to leave it, if it's a judgment call where you can call in every play, but you don't have to, don't call it. I would like to see referees swallow the whistle unless it's an egregious penalty. Like, you have to call that. There's no missing that. Like, the person sitting in the up in the up in the nose bleacher seats can see that so i agree with you there but i will say that it, it's as you said it's a hard job it comes down to human discretion there's human mm-hmm. error now of course now they they made that call and that's what you got to stick with but th- people will say well the, they they missed the call on Jalen Ramsey when Jalen ramsey had his face bass pulled and and uh, t higgins scores that touchdown now i don't want to say it's a make call because i believe uh one of the retired refs Pereira, said that there's no such thing I may disagree with that, but let's just understand that the Bengals got seven points off of a missed call as well. So, yeah. again, it's an imperfect profession, but I enjoyed the game overall. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I mean, look, the Bengals, the no call on Higgins with the face mask or whatever, although the referee doubled down after the game and said, no, that was not a penalty, which... We, I, we know that was a penalty. Come on now. I know. The guy, the guy's head was turned <laughs> 90 yeah. degrees. Absolutely. You can't, you can't dispute that. No, I I agree. And so so that was a big play too. So so I get that. And again, the Bengals get a field goal in that fourth quarter, they win the game. 
right? I mean, they really do because you just get the lead uh, and, and you're at least a tie game. At the very least, you're going into overtime. So, so to me, that, that, was, that was one of the deals there. The other thing that I noticed was um, a lot of Raider fans, the Rams celebration, and I even tweeted out the picture, by the way, about the celebration in Los Angeles and how there wasn't enough people. And then Raider fans were like, see, we own LA. Now, again, we're on the Mightier 1090. Los Angeles is listening to us right now on ESPN Radio on this station. So that's why we're on this station is because there is a big group of Raider fans in Los Angeles, still very, very strong, or we wouldn't be on the air. But I just think it's kind of like, why? Who cares? Like, who cares if their celebration is smaller than another? Right, and then somebody brought up uh, Arash Markazi, our, our our colleague here on the station, showed a picture of the Raiders when they won the Super Bowl uh, back in '83. Uh, there was no parade; it was a celebration uh, in downtown Los Angeles with eleven thousand people. So I, I, it's really weird what people decide they want to pick on each other for. It's like I just want to win football. If I'm a fan, I want my team to win games and win a Super Bowl. I could give two craps about how big the parade is and what happens at the parade. Listen, Scott, and this is no diss to any fans out there, but when your team is not in the Super Bowl, your team is not hosting the Lombardi Trophy, you're going to take any win that you can get. So you're going to pick at little things. Oh, you know, I, I remember <laughs> I, I remember, I posted an article about the Rams Super Bowl because I had to react to it. And there was a Raider fan who hit me up on Twitter, and he was like, would you want the Raiders to win a Super Bowl that way, having to buy their reign? Because, you know, the Rams, basically, they, you know, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr., they brought in Von Miller, they brought in Matthew Stafford. He's like, wouldn't you prefer the Raiders to have homegrown talent and not have to buy their ring? And I'm I'm looking at this message like, a Super Bowl win is a Super Bowl win, however you get it. So to my point, anytime you're not in this big game, you're just going to pick out any little thing just to uplift your squad and your team. Yeah. Yeah, but but to me, uh, yeah, if they buy it, buy it. What does it buy it mean? If you look at the Rams, yeah, they give away all those draft picks. But the Rams actually built, I mean, where did Aaron Donald come from, right? Where did some of these Cooper other players? Yeah, yes, they went, they went, Cooper Cup, exactly, the MVP. They went and they did fill the roster. Welcome to the modern NFL, folks, okay? You have to build a roster and it's not going to happen. Look at the Raiders. The Raiders have screwed up on draft picks. They If they just waited... Until they grow homegrown talent, you know how long it would take for them to try to win or be as competitive as they are right now. Look what they did last year and how they won ten games and the veterans they brought in. So to me, it's about winning. And the Rams will the Rams pay on the back end? I think they will. I think they're going to go through a real down period when all these contracts end uh, and they're stuck without draft picks, right? But would they trade that for a Super Bowl in their first couple seasons back in Los Angeles? Absolutely. Who? What, what Raider fan would not say, okay, let's pretend Derek Carr's not in the picture because we're going to talk about him later. But if Derek Carr's not in the picture and you need a quarterback and you can go get Russell Wilson and it gets you over the top to win a Super Bowl, you wouldn't do it? No, you'd say draft a player and let's wait four years? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it goes back to my point that people are just going to pick at any little thing. But... I like the way it was set up where you see the Bengals and you see the Rams and they both got to the Super Bowl different ways. The Rams, a lot of people, well, they bought their and they brought in, as I said, they brought in a bunch of veterans. They did have Aaron Donald who slipped in the draft because of his size. They did have Cooper Cup third round. But look at the Bengals. I mean, they drafted uh, Joe Burrow first, first overall. A lot of their players are homegrown talent. So there are different ways you can get to the big game. You don't have to trade for a bunch of players. You don't have to draft exceptionally well. You can have a mixture of the two. You can go one way or the other. It all depends on your approach 
and how well you pick up players and how you evaluate talent. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And 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 that's the other thing too. What what I think we texted about this. Or I was texting with with our good friend Kelly Kreiner. Uh trash. Um people the our good friends over at Just Blog Baby and and Greg, those guys, I love those guys, so I'm not criticizing them, but there was a story that said, "Hey, this is the the, the Raiders could be the Bengals of next year." And I'm thinking that was was that Al Davis's mantra, just be the Bengals baby. Like, and I, I get, I actually, if you read the story, it's, it's a good story. And, and, and the headline maybe is a little misleading, uh, but it's about a, a team going far in the playoffs a year after they didn't. The difference was to me, the Bengals were four and 12 last year. <laughs> uh, the Raiders won 10 games this year. So the Raiders are a lot further along and I think can turn it around quickly uh, to, from being competitive to, to maybe making a deep run. Um, it's just really interesting in today's world because people are inundated, Mo, with so much information about football. They can watch almost every team if they have Sunday ticket, for example. Uh, they can see how everything's going. But the whole thing with parody to me is getting interesting because it's it's so great for the sport, I think. And I want to get your opinion on this. It's so great. So so the fact that the Raiders won 10 games in a year where they had so much struggle uh, is shows that this league, everything is so close. So a team can go from 4-12 and 12 to the Super Bowl. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I think in some ways that leads into some of the discussion we had earlier around predetermined outcomes. There's just not a lot of differentiation between the teams. And so on any given year, you make a few changes and things can turn around quickly. So are we are we ever going to see a dynasty again, do you think, in this sport with the way it's going now? I think it's tough. I think what the Patriots had, because people call that the dynasty, a dynasty, it was a perfect storm. You have arguably the best head coach in history, mm-hmm. you have arguably the best player, NFL player in history in court in quarterback Tom Brady, who just retired. So what are the chances that happens again? Would you get a top, you know, an elite coach, an elite quarterback, and they stay together with free agency, you know, contracts, guys want new deals, guys want to go play elsewhere, guys want to go play with this guy, I want to go play with that guy. And it's hard. And that's why I was uh, Raiders fans gonna hate me saying this, but I respect what the Patriots built despite all the scandals that they had mm-hmm. to be able to, to stick together and win that many Super Bowls and 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 just go on and, and be competitive because everyone knew once you got on the field with the Patriots, you, you're going to get their best shot. You're expecting the Patriots to win in a big critical game. So I, I don't see that happening maybe anytime soon. Maybe I, I'm a lot younger than you. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I might see it. I might see it at the tail end of my lifetime when Thanks, I'm in my fifties and sixties. Yeah. I may see it again. But um, if you're over the age of forty, probably, probably not going to see it again. What are you saying? What are you <laughs> saying? Sorry, um, Scott. I okay. hope you live to. A, I hope you live to hundred, <laughs> Scott. And if you do, you you will see it again. <sighs> yeah. If I live to hundred, <laughs> <I, it, it, laughs> we'll see how it goes. But 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 you're right. I I, th- I just think though that and again the NFL. In so many ways, this is this is this is kind of the this is the glory years. I mean, the early years of the NFL, AFL, the merger, and of course this, the first you know five six Super Bowls is is so often considered that golden age, the late '60s into the '70s, the Joe Namath, the Bart Stars, all those guys. But I think we're in it now, just because again, I can live in this. I can be the Houston Texans. And in three years, be in a Super Bowl because of how quickly you can turn to your point earlier about the free agency, about the contracts, about the salary cap. It's the problem you see with baseball right now, why baseball continues to screw the pooch because they can't get it right. And so they don't have any competitive balance. The NFL has ultimate competitive balance. 
But you got to wonder too, at some point, you know, what, what's the price of that where there's no teams that stick out. I mean, everyone thought the chiefs were on their way to becoming these, the next Patriot kind of dynasty. Well, that has not happened. Why? It's harder to keep things together. Now you have coaches now with, I think the other thing, and we'll, we'll have to get into it uh, in another show. It'll be an interesting conversation, Mo, but the whole minority coaching issue that we've talked about before, um, you're going to have a lot of coaches now who might not have moved on because they didn't have opportunity for whatever reason are now going to get coaching gigs, right? So, so you're breaking up staffs of, of, of that, that might've been in place. And I'm not saying it was a good thing that they were in place because they didn't get opportunity. I'm just saying things are about to change even more if the NFL changes their rules. And so I anticipate that we'll see even more competitive nature. I also think that, that rule changes have created a lot of this. So the NFL continues to change the game, by slowly and quickly changing small rules that most fans don't recognize at the beginning, but then when it comes up in a game and they see it, uh, it suddenly has a complete different impact. Um, and we'll have to see how this offseason goes with all that, but but the NFL to me is in a weird place. It's in a weird place with all the social justice stuff that's been going on. It's in a weird place with the coaching question on on whether or not you agree minority hiring is, is not happening fast enough in the right way. It has issues with safety still. So it's going to be, I think, a, 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 an interesting few years to see what they do with all these issues that the sport is facing. Because as good as it's doing, as much money as it's making, it also has problems. There was a point that Jeff Parles made last week, and he said with the addition of, a, of another game, you, you could see a lot more blow-up games where there's a upset that you didn't see happening. Yeah. And we all know there's buzz there being an 18th game come down the pipeline. So can you imagine 18 games where good teams may take a week or two here off thinking, okay, we, we still, we're still in position to get a playoff spot. We're still in position to win this division. We can afford to take a game off here or there. That may help a team that's on the borderline or on the fringe get into the playoffs. And then you want with like, as we did this year, two number four seeds in the Super Bowl, which I believe was the first time it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's absolutely true. And, and it's, it's, <laughs> That's the thing, too. With the money involved with betting, too, Mo, when we talked about that with Jeff last week, it's going to be interesting. And I, But the one thing I want to close with before we get to the end of this segment, uh, oh, by the way, coming up after the break, we're talking about everybody's favorite subject in Raider Nation, that, of course, is Derek Carr. We're going deep on Derek Carr. Uh, but we're going to do it from a constructive standpoint. It's not the Hatfields and McCoy shooting at each other. That's not what we're doing. We're going to actually talk to Joel Corey from CBS Sports. He's a former sports agent. He's going to tell us what he thinks about the Derek Carr situation, the contracts. We've heard $40 million now that he wants, so we're going to get into that. But the Raiders, the one thing, back to our, our buddies at Just Blog Baby, um, the, the story about the Raiders being the next Bengals. To me, that means you can, if you're a Raiders fan and you think they're far away from the playoffs, um, the Bengals had a terrible offensive line, again, this year. Okay, the Raiders did, too, but it just goes to show you that with the way the league is per Jeff's point last week and your point now, Mo, you can turn things around quickly. So could the Raiders be in the Super Bowl next year? Absolutely, they could. Anybody could. I mean, maybe there's a couple teams that are earlier in the process, Jacksonville and some other teams, but you just never know. And that's the beauty uh, of the NFL. So we'll have to see how it goes. All right. 
We're going to step aside and take a break. When Mo and I return, Joe Corey from CBS Sports, former sports agent, represented the likes of uh, Randall and Keenan McCardell and Shaq O'Neal and a bunch of different people. He's a good dude. He's going to tell us what he thinks about the market for Derek Carr and if $40 million truly is it. We'll also get his take on the salary cap because he knows that as well. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Silver and Black tonight only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G, but I somehow, way, keep coming up with funky-ass hits like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few ends as I breeze through. Two in the morning and the party still jumping cause my mama ain't home. I got some freaks in the living room getting it on and they ain't leaving till six in the morning. So what you gonna do? I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too. So turn off the lights and close the doors. But for what? We don't love them now. Yeah. So we gon' blow a house to this. G's up, freeze up for a second now. Bounce to this. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. Put suffers in fear. Making the tears rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. Explosion. Overpowering. Over the competition. I'm towering. Reckless shots. When I drop these lyrics that'll make you call the cops. Don't you dare stare. You better move. Don't ever compare. Me to the Now back. To Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back, Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. Your only All Raiders talk show in Southern California. Mo Moten, Scott Branson with you, and we are getting to everyone's favorite subject in Raider Nation. Uh, that, of course, is Derek Carr. Here we go, Mo. It's not haters versus the stands. Uh, we're going to do something different here. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about Derek Carr, the possibility of a contract extension. You know what? What would that be worth? How much would that cost, Mo? We've heard some stuff out there, and 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 you said to me, you said, you know, we're going to talk about this this week because we we try to avoid the Derek Carr conversation because people are so relentlessly um, uh, unobjective about it. Um, and and instead, you said, no, you know what? We got to talk to Joel Corey from CBS Sports. Mm-hmm. He's a former sports agent, uh, and he joins us now. You can follow him at Corey, C-O-R-R-Y, Joel, J-O-E-L, on Twitter, which I highly recommend. Uh, Joel, thanks for joining us here on Silver and Black tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so let's jump in. Derek Carr, this week, we Mo and I have been saying pretty much the whole season that that we felt Derek Carr would get extended, you know, granted some incredible offer coming across the Raiders' desk or something like that. Uh, we thought, you know, a short-term, uh, long short-term deal, you know, two, three-year deal where the Raiders could have some flexibility, give some money up front. We were both thinking, you know, 25, 30 million tops for a deal like that. This week, uh, it was reported that the he's seeking about 40 
$50 million over three years and no trade clause. We want to get your take on this to hear, number one, how do you establish uh, a, a, a baseline salary for a quarterback of Derek Carr's caliber, a starter in the NFL, maybe not a top five guy, maybe top 10, top 15. Uh, and when I have to ask you too, I don't want you to throw any of your friends under the bus, but um, that number, where does that come from? Is that an agent talking to the media, trying to float a number out there for negotiation or, or what, how does this all come to be when you first hear a number like that? Well, first thing you got to remember is in 2017, he signed for $25 million per year and became the highest paid player in the league. So if you're talking $25, 30000000 million, that's never getting anything done. Hmm. Um, two, uh, you look at a two-year deal for a comparable quarterback a couple of years ago, Kirk Cousins signed for $33 million per year on an extension. Um he has the Vikings in a bind of a $45 million cap number. Yeah. He does an extension. It's going to be for a significant raise because of his leverage, and that would be a very spot-on comp. Now, if you're talking two-year extension, the first thing that should come up, come in the agent's mind is, well, how much would it cost to franchise Derek Carr? Mm. Well, um, and then play the game, well, if you franchise them once, you can franchise them again. And you got to keep in mind that a lot of the time the quarterback gets the exclusive tag, not the non-exclusive tag. And just from doing some um, preliminary projections, the non-exclusive tag will be $32 million conservatively next year. So you do that twice, you're talking 38-4. Average of two tags is $35 million per year. Mm-hmm. That's a floor. If you go to the exclusive tag, it's a different calculation. Um and it's going to be a much higher number. You're going over $40 million per year for just the first tag. So that alone would get you to $40 million if you're only talking a short-term extension. Now, one thing I could see happening is that the Raiders believe that signability becomes an issue. Then you look to deal with mm. Interesting. So, so, Joe, just jumping in Mo Moten here. A lot of fans are worried that, let's say Derek Carr does get $40 million a year on his extension. They're worried that if he gets that, that they'll be hampered down the line and being able to either sign high, you know, high price free agents or retain some of their own guys down the line. Now, him getting market value deal, do you see that as a problem or with the cap going up, is it just not an issue as, as time goes on, even next year as the cap goes up? Well, we just had a team win the Super Bowl that had $44.7 million of cap for the quarterback between the dead money of Jared Carr and Stafford's actual cap number. So throw that out the window. Two, the cap is going to start going up substantially. Mm-hmm. Conservatively, in 2020, the cap at $225 million to $230 million. That's conservatively. So conservatively, you get to 2024, you're talking 255 260 also, you have to look at it from the standpoint that Matthew Stafford, there's a good chance he becomes the highest-paid player in the league, at least temporarily, this offseason. He's got all the leverage in the world after winning the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, assuming that he doesn't retire, whether it's with Green Bay or someone else, as long as he doesn't pull the Drew Brees late in his career, <laughs> give a team a financial break. He's going way up there as well. Could be the first $50 million per year guy. If he doesn't get there, twenty twenty after the 2022 season, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are eligible for contract extensions. 
that, those will be the guys that get the 50 million. You got Russell Wilson who's going to need an extension at some point in time. 2023 is his contract year. Cousins is in a contract year in 2022. So even if you put Derek Carr, say 40, he's dropping down the totem pole very quickly. Right. And that, and that, I'm sorry, Joe, but, and that was the point I was trying to make that a lot of people are freaking out about this $40 million figure right now. But as you just explained, next year, it's not going to be that big of a deal with all the guys coming up needing new deals or probably rework, reworking their contracts. Now, when I talk about Kyler Murray, yeah, right. Kyler Murray. Murray is also eligible season this offseason. That's correct. He's so, eligible right now. Yeah. Right now. Exactly. And so a lot of cap guys talk about, okay, sometimes the average, the AAV is kind of overblown. And they talk about the guaranteed money. What, what do you think Derek Carr's guaranteed money would come in at uh, if he signs a deal this offseason, assuming he does? Um, it depends on the length. Uh, if you're talking two-year extension, he may want all of it becoming guaranteed at some point in time, kind of like in the Cousins mm-hmm. deal, in at least the first two years uh, guaranteed. Now, if you're talking longer extension – um, we've already seen that – well, one thing for, in, in football contracts, the guaranteed money lags way behind other sports. We just had the first contract of $100 million fully guaranteed at signing, which was um, Josh Allen. So we're talking probably 70, 80 fully guaranteed at signing. Mm-hmm. And then guarantees that it's a longer extension will be over $100 million. Yeah, and, and so again, we're talking to Joel Corey. Joel is a former sports agent, uh, also now writes at cbssports.com, uh, knows the cap. That's why we're, we're tapping into his amazing knowledge here with all of this. You look at the Derek Carr situation, Joel, and I have to ask you, you put yourself in his agent's shoes and, and you start to look at this negotiation. You know, there's been, there's been um, talk on both sides that, you know, Derek Carr wants to remain a Raider for the rest of his career. He always says that. He says the right thing, of course. Uh, now you have Josh McDaniel of the head coach. You have Ed Ziegler there as the new general manager. They've said positive things, but of course, they're not playing their cards. Uh, they're playing poker as well, but they've been very positive. If you're Derek's agent right now and the way this thing is going and this number has been floated out, what should Raider fans expect? Is this something we're going to see if they come up with a deal and they can do it pretty quickly that we'll see you know, towards the, the NFL draft in that period when they open up? Probably not that quickly. There's no urgency from the way the contract's structured. There's mm. no March roster bonus, which would force your hand. you got to also remember that the agent works for the client, so he takes right. his marching orders from, from Derek. Um, and I remember Derek's press conference when he got his contract, he said he left some money on the table so they could sign Khalil Mack and Gabe Jackson, one of the two signs. Um Maybe he just has a mindset of not going after full market value. If that's the case, maybe it's close to $35 million on an extension. But if it's always left to the agent's devices, we have a client who's like following the agent's lead and isn't giving him specific directions, then it's not going to be anywhere close to $35 million. Now, it could get to a point that if the new Raider regime – isn't willing to get into an acceptable ballpark, he could just play it out, and then they're stuck with the having to go potentially year to year, and at least next year having a huge number on the cap for a franchise tag unless they decide to trade him. And if you did decide to trade him, the Washington Commanders desperately need a quarterback. <laughs> 
so tough question. I know you're not in in the room with these negotiations, but right now, so to speak. But what do you think about a Derek Carr no trade clause? Do you think his agent could possibly sneak that in there only because he's kind of been in the in the in the rumor mill over the past few years? Is he going to be traded? Is he going to be moved? And you would think someone uh, of his stature is tired of that talk during the offseason. Do you think his agent may try to sneak that in there? And how would you do that if you're if you're sitting across from the table? Because basically the team has given up a lot of leverage to the player to say, okay, I get, if I'm traded, I get to pick where I want to go. Yeah, there are like maybe 10, 15 no-trade clauses across the league. Uh, most of them come with quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers does not have one. Tom Brady did have one. Um Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson um, have them. Um, Deshaun Watson, even Jimmy Garoppolo had a limited one for 2021. Um, mm-hmm. So the pitch would be, yeah, uh, Derek wants to be here, doesn't want to go anyplace else, so the no-trade clause ensures that he's there. He's willing to commit to you, so are you not willing to commit to him with the mm-hmm. no-trade clause? Yeah, and Joel, is that is that something as an agent – that you also, or I should say, you use if you're willing to take a little less money. To, to your point about when he took the first deal uh, back in 17, uh, is that something you use a little bit of leverage? Say, hey, we're we're we're, use, we're taking a little less money, so you got to give a little more there. Uh, no, no trade clause hasn't been something where people are taking discounts. No, um, if you look at some of these guys. Russell Wilson became the highest paid player if there's no trade clause. Um, I think uh, Deshaun Watson at the time was the second highest paid player. Um, then Dak Prescott, when he signed, was the second highest paid player. Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest paid player. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo at one point in time, <laughs> after just three games with the 49ers, became the highest paid player and had yeah. a limited no spot. So it hasn't been a thing which has been used for a discount. Well, before we let you go, uh, go Joel, um, with this situation with the Raiders, uh, from an organizational standpoint, if you look at it from their standpoint, I sort of look at it as, look, do you have if you have a better option, you might consider it. Um, obviously, the draft is not an option for them this year. It's not a, a huge, uh, obviously, great draft class from a quarterback perspective. Um, do you think, are they a little bit in a bind? I mean, they're, they're quite, Derek Carr's a good quarterback. There's no question. I've never been someone who's disliked him uh, and, and recognized when you put the talent around him, he can perform and win for you. Uh, but in their situation, are they kind of stuck because of the way the market is and there's no viable option maybe f- to develop a younger guy? Or how do you look at it from the organizational perspective? Yeah, this is not the year to get a quarterback in the draft. Um, I wonder if David Mil- Davis Mills would be the first quarterback taken had he not come out and been a third-round pick this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are going to mm-hmm. be drafted, not the caliber of quarterbacks the past two years. Now, I'm going to stir the pot here. I have no knowledge about this. <laughs> For a veteran option, as I alluded to earlier, uh, if you could get a first-round pick in something back from the Washington Commanders, yeah, you'd need a quarterback. There's one in the Bay Area that these guys are familiar with that does win games when he plays healthy, that is in a contract, that has Patriot pedigree, that I just talked about, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we 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 have seen that conversation actually, uh, Joel, happen. Uh, some people talking about there's been a couple stories actually too about it. So you're not alone in it. And of course, Raider fans have a, an amazing allergic reaction to it because it's the 49ers. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're looking at a situation where you can get a lot in return for Derek Carr, and that's what I always tell people when we talk about it here on the show is it's not that we don't like Derek Carr, but it's a business. I think you know for fans because fans are so great and they're so into the sport. They sometimes forget that it's a business, and if you get offered a great opportunity that you can't pass up, you got to do it. So it'll be interesting. But if you if you were a betting man and you were going to bet on this, uh, you think they get that deal done with Derek Carr and he returns? Yeah, I think they get the deal done. Um, I just think if you're talking two years, then the dynamics of the negotiation change. Because mm. the first thing to do is to start looking at okay, what's the cost of franchise me? franchise my client and go from there yeah well joe we appreciate you being with us uh tonight here on the mightier 1090 and on silver and black tonight we we will uh check in with you again as we move along in the off season but we certainly appreciate the time appreciate you thanks for having me all right so there you go joel Corey. good stuff man i mean uh mo and, and again, sometimes I'm confused by the salary cap and not understanding the numbers and all that stuff. So having somebody like Joel on was a key thing. And, and, and uh, I know that you, uh, you work with him some, some uh, during the season as well. And that was huge because people are freaking out over that number. Well, we're not going to have enough money. Even I've said that a couple of times. Well, if you spend too much money here, you're not going to have money there. That was more about the Devontae Adams stuff. Absolutely. And shout out to Joel because he's always helping me out in the DMs. Uh, Every one or two weeks, I'm always asking him basic questions, and he's he's very patient with me. So shout out to him for coming on the show and, and dropping that knowledge on us. But I like I liked his answer to my question too, and it's basically the point I made in my column this week that by we're all freaking out about this number forty million, forty million a year, forty million a year. But by next off season, as he just ran down the names, and and I agree with him because I wrote the names down too. Rodgers, the, the Packers are prepared to make Rodgers the highest paid quarterback in the league if he stays. Mm-hmm. Stafford's going to get a new deal because he's on an expiring contract. He just won a Super Bowl. He's going to get paid. Lamar Jackson wants to get paid. Cousins' deal is going to get redone because he's in the last year of his deal. Murray, Kyler Murray is eligible this offseason. Next offseason, Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert are going to make big money. And again, the question that you always ask, Mo, so I'm, I'm channeling my inner Mo Moten here, which is <laughs> what's your plan if you don't? What's your plan? So Joel brought up, and I know we'll get a lot of comments below on the on the YouTube video and on the podcast and on the radio show here, um, that Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, people, he, he I think there's not a lot of options out there for the Raiders when you look at a veteran quarterback who could kind of be a placeholder until you go get a younger quarterback over the next couple of years. So then it comes down to the question for you guys who don't like Derek Carr. Okay, if, if you want, if you could get rid of Derek Carr, but it meant having Jimmy Garoppolo for two or three years, you're going to do that because that's the type of thing you're going to be faced with. Not Russell Wilson, not Aaron Rodgers, not Deshaun Watson. The chances of that happening are next to slim and none. So, Mo, that's the that's the point here too. You have to look at it, and if that's the case, Derek Carr at forty million dollars is a fine deal because once the other deals for the other big quarterbacks fall in place, it's going to be a bargain. Here's what it boils down to for me: you're either going to pay the market value for Derek Carr, who will keep you in the playoff mix, or as you suggested, you're going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo as a bridge. 
I wrote about Carson Wentz today. That Wentz. that article dropped on Bleacher Report. Are you yep. gonna are you comfortable with Carson Wentz, who has an injury history, who couldn't beat the Jaguars in week 18 to get the Colts in the playoffs last season? <laughs> I don't think so. Right. So it's either you pay the market value or you're gonna take a step down and possibly go what four and four and thirteen. 5 and 12 next year. And I don't right. think Raiders fans want to go through that again. So then build up around them. And then over the next couple of years, you do need to have your succession plan. See, that's why to me, a three-year deal makes so much sense because then you're able to then wait another year or two, get the guy you want in the draft, trade capital, whatever it is you got to do. Uh, and then you're able to groom for a year or less or just have somebody come in and compete for the starting job as a young quarterback. And that's the way to the future for the Raiders. But but I just don't see another option for them that makes a lot of sense that isn't just pie in the sky dream. So so this whole conversation, I think I think Derek Carr by, by July is going to be, uh, but we certainly don't see any more vi- viable options. If you have them, leave them in the comments. Uh, this week, they did say, sign Cravon LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Um, he is a cornerback that was on the Patriots practice roster last last year. So you're starting to see some of that Patriot talent that these guys, Ziegler and McDaniels, were were familiar with. Now, one point I want to make really quick about what Joel said, and he, he said, you know, the cap's going to go up. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, a point that a lot of people are missing with this situation is that remember the NFL took a lot of losses because of COVID. Yep. So the cap, the cap did not go up, you know, past season. Now it's going in the right direction. So not only uh, is cars 40 million going to be pretty much average for a player of his caliber, but you're going to have more room to work with the cap going up significantly. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And that's going to be, it's going to be an interesting off season and, and one that I know we will cover here. We're out of time, Mo. Incredible. Uh, thanks to Joel Corey for being with us and going through the Derek Carr situation. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Remember, follow Mo on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, G-U-L-L-Y. We appreciate it. Mo, I'll talk to you next week, man. Yeah, I'm going to hit uh, Xavier up to see if I can get a contract. <laughs> the cap's going up. Maybe get some guarantee money or something, you know. Help Make sure out. there's a no-trade clause. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to end You don't want to end up in Jacksonville. All right, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranson. Thanks for listening to Silver and Black tonight. Hey, out there, Raider Nation, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week as we get the off-season program here started up. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.